Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. And good morning, everybody. Welcome Morning Drive. Goodman Hurdle. Watch us, MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Roller Auctions Twitter feed, at Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman. Tomorrow... 16th Street Fitness in Greeley is auctioning off cardio equipment, cable machines, plate-loaded machines, weight plates, tanning beds. I know you're probably into that. Oh, yeah. Brown me up. <laughs> Put on a little <laughs> coconut oil and I, pop on in there. I, w- I can honestly say. Why do people start let me think a sentence about that way? I can honestly say, is are you going because to lie I'm th- to me? Because I'm, no, because I'm thinking about whether I missed out. I don't think I have ever been on a tanning bed me neither in my life just making sure maybe it's because i'm frugal why would i spend money on something that i can already get as an example i don't buy bottled water i can just go right to the tap and i know well maybe it's not clean enough well i do there are amoebas in there right i do i do that quite a bit yeah i will admit by the way uh if you want to get involved uh with roller auctions you know upcoming auctions go to rollerauction.com Backslash MHS, and by the way, this auction is open right now. I want to tell you really quickly about Sasquatch and Wildcard Casinos and Blackhawk. Always great promotions the weekend of January 5th. You're either going to win a Kawasaki side-by-side with snow tracks. It's totally cool. Or a little over $22,000. Get on up there. Check out their sports book. Really great food. Really loose slots. Sasquatch and Wildcard, a family-owned casino that treats you like family. So you sure you don't need a tanning bed? Pretty sure of that. Okay. But okay. anything else that I need to find, I can just go to rollerauctions.com because eventually yep. it will cycle through in an auction. Right. So. Their, their auctions coming up next week are going to be unbelievable. Okay. We'll talk about that later on in the week. In the meantime, time now for the lead. The lead presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. John Payton, you and I were both on that conference call. He was peppered a few times about how the game ended on Sunday with the interception in the end zone, as well as struggling in the passing game. This is what Payton had to say. I think communication has to be on point. We finished the game, and the last play of the game, we leave a shift off. So at the snap of the ball, we have three receivers that are trying to run a route, but they haven't shifted into their final formation. My experience has always been in the details it's the little things. Those things have to be better. The communication has to improve, he went on to say, especially on the road. Too many snaps where guys aren't ready, or we didn't get the shift, or we didn't get the call, and that's troubling, especially this time of year. Mm. And then more on the final play of the game that led to that pick. I don't blame you for looking at that play <laughs> and kind of wondering where people are and where the ball is going. I was doing the same thing. So let's give the last play the name Chaos. <laughs> the shift doesn't happen, and we're playing street ball. Ah, there's a lot to unpack in that. I'm really, I was really wondering as I'm listening to this live, he sounded like, let's just name it, I don't know, Chaos. That's what it felt like to me, tongue-in-cheek, having some fun kind of at his offenses and his own expense. That, that's what I. That's how I kind of took. You think it was premeditated, because in some ways he knows some of the questions that are going to be asked. Well, yeah, I mean, and he just got done looking at film. 
I right. mean, you know, so, I mean, that, and that was a pretty big sticking point, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I would imagine that he was prepared for that. But I thought it was, I will admit, and I've got my notes, chuckle is what I wrote down. Yeah. I chuckled. Yeah. So when he I. said, I really did. It was kind of like, uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I hear you. But it, but the underlying thing here is why are we having at this stage, and it's his words, that's troubling, especially this time of the year. Why are we still having communication? I realize it's on the road, but why are we still having communication problems getting into the right sets, shifts, things of that nature this time of the year? That's on coaching and it's on execution or the lack thereof. And they got to get this. It, it doesn't, it may not be a big shiny reason why things aren't, didn't go well last weekend. Fans may not grasp onto it, but that's key, man. You got to be able to communicate. You got to be, you got to be seamless in your communication. Everyone's got to be on the right page. Executing is a different challenge, but just getting into the right sets into the right personnel groupings, into the right formations. There's a lot of movement that they do. They do movement in the, they go trips on one side and they will move the triangle around before the play is even made. So they do a lot of different things and you got to be good at it or you're in trouble. And they were in trouble on that play. This is what I'm wondering. And I'm going to compare that final play. Mm Mm-hmm to what we saw in Buffalo, where the Toro Toro play, which I'm going back to the Mike Shanahan days when Jason Elam ran onto the field, kicked the field goal with the time winding down. We saw the same thing in Buffalo this year in which they hit a couple of field goals, right? right? That was well-practiced, well-executed. What I'm wondering is the play that they ran, which led to the interception, was that practiced flawlessly, but when the lights were on, it just didn't happen? Or is it something else? Yeah. Because I would think that Peyton isn't calling a play for the first time. Oh, no. Right. No, no. So did it not look good in practice? And you need to understand they didn't practice it flawlessly? Or was it practiced flawlessly and because of the pressure of the situation, the guys just didn't know what to do. Fair, fair queries right there. Fair. Um, because clearly they, it was not executed. There are two elements to running any kind of, well, three. First of all, you have to call the play. Everyone has to be on the same page about what the play is. Then you've got to get into the right set to run the play. Then you have to execute the play. They got about maybe a third of the way through that equation and the rest of it fell apart. Watercolor in the rain. Bad stuff. I think early on in the season, there was some chatter about sometimes Peyton's plays are too long. A lot of verbiage. Right. So if you know you have a quarterback who isn't very strong in that area of calling out a play that is, I don't know, takes seven to eight seconds, you shorten the play. You have to find a way to tailor make your play calls to what your quarterback can handle. I'm wondering if that was pared down for us 
or wasn't it pared down I, for it, us? Yeah. I, I have no idea Yeah, I either. don't know either. I, I, I don't know what the call was. I don't know how it was. Um, but it looked like street ball out there. Oh, well, it was designing it into the dirt. Well, the chaos was literal. I mean, it was like every man for themselves. That's, I mean, it was ridiculous. That's why when he used, let's call the play chaos, I'm thinking that's how he felt at the time. <laughs> I'm guessing that's how he felt on the plane ride home. Yeah. When he watched the tape, he knew exactly he was going to say, let's call it chaos. Yeah. That wasn't an impromptu answer. That that went from bad to worse. The the formation where guys went or didn't go, and then Russ Russ's decision uh, to throw that. I, I I had a couple people yesterday that were trying to argue with me to say, well, when he first made his move, he was open, and I said, well, that's that that doesn't make any difference. You you either got to put it in a place where only your guy can catch it, or you throw it away because you've got one more play to play. You've got one more chance to get it. You can't do that. Um, so it was just, it was disastrous all the way around. Um, and yeah, I, I, you're right. Communication has been really kind of an underlying theme of this entire season. And it hasn't reared its head over the last five weeks, six weeks, uh, until this last week, because you win football games and that, and, and you know, as well as anyone, when you win, it shades everything. I mean, you know, you don't worry about what you're not doing well all the time because it could, you can work on that in quiet. If you had to pick, because sometimes you do, not every player has a high football IQ mm -hmm. and a high level of talent. Right. Those are your unicorns. Yeah. There aren't a lot of those. No, out there, there aren't. So would you rather have a guy whose talent level is an eight and a half, but his football IQ is a five? Or would you rather have a guy whose football IQ is an eight and a half and his talent level is a five? In what kind of situation? Like any situation? A, a football game. In, so, in, so in the situation any kind of play. Be so. Because you just never know what's going to happen as a game unfolds. Well, the good thing about a receiving core is you can combine guys like that. I don't think I'd want just one of one and none of the other. Right. In, in either situation. Right. I mean, I think I would probably want a little bit of both. Of course you do. Yeah. So Yeah, but 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 the option I gave you doesn't give you a little bit of both. <laughs> and that's why I gave you that example. I know you, you but okay, I, I don't know because when because what? listen, when I'm looking at that play, I'm thinking how high is the football IQ out there on the most important play of the game because it's the last play of the game and you couldn't get set up and nobody knew what they were doing out there. At least that's what it looked like. Yeah, but but and and, and it's not necessarily cherry picking, but it's the it was the biggest play of the game. It turned out to be the biggest play of the game because it was the last the last play, play. Yeah. last play, right? And a potential winning play. The Broncos have made plenty of very good decisions over the course of the five-game win streak. You don't win games without making good decisions. You wait, feel good about that. I I, what I would like to do is let's stop talking about the Broncos as a team. We know what their defense can do. Right. Let's only talk about the offense because the offense, quite frankly, has been beyond hit or miss. They've been good in the fourth quarter when Russ gets to be sure. Russ and goes off script. It's just everything before that. Well, they're they're some they're they're probably limited. 
I mean, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that this is, a, this is a limited offense. It's not a, you know, fire from the hip kind of offense, playmakers all over the field. You just don't have that. So you've got to be really good at what you did. I asked Todd Davis on Friday whether he was worried at all because of the inclinations of the Houston defense that the Broncos might try to get a little pass happy. Frankly, I thought that they did try to get a little pass happy at, at times, especially early in that game. Well, there's a reason why. Because I, they were, they that's were, why I asked the question. Because they're pretty good against the run this yeah, season. Right. Susceptible to play action. Right. And Sean Payton tried to take advantage of that going away from essentially what they do best. And I didn't have a problem with it. Right. I really didn't have a problem with it because I think Sean is right to probe that. Right. You know, and 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 boom, second play of the game. And Cortland Sutton's been great this season, but damn, you got to catch the ball there. I mean, you just right. you've got to catch the ball. That ball is that ball is right on your hands. Right. And and that changes the complexion of things. Well, when you look at it down by down, they try that play. Okay, now you're in second and ten. So if Cortland doesn't make that catch, this team is not built for third and ten or third and six or right. third and long. And then suddenly it Let's get the punt team ready before they even get to the yeah. line of scrimmage. Right. It's third and seven. History will tell you, okay, bring on the and punt. And then a ball gets tipped. Yeah. And then they're down three to nothing. Boom. Just like that. Coming up after the break, Shadur Sanders. He is the favorite, according to Vegas, to win the Heisman next year. All right. Good on him. The question is, will his offensive coordinator potentially hold him back? And we all know this guy and every Broncos fan knows this guy. So will the Sanders Shermer marriage work as Shermer is now the new offensive coordinator. That's next. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us at You can reach us, Roller Auctions Twitter feed, at Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman. Tomorrow, 16th Street Fitness in Greeley is auctioning off cardio equipment, cable machines, plate-loaded machines, weight plates, tanning beds, and more. Get involved, get notifications about upcoming auctions at rollerauction.com backslash MHS. Time now for the buzz. 
The Buzz is presented by Castle Rock Men's Health and Castle Rock and Aurora. See why Eric only trusts his health with Dr. Lee at Castle Rock Men's Health. Shadur Sanders, currently the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy next season. Well, Deion Sanders said Pat Shermer most likely will be the Buffs' offensive coordinator next season. Do you think Sanders can win the Heisman with Shermer as his offensive coordinator? Well, yeah, I do, and here's why. You've got the most talented quarterback in the country. By Caleb Williams. The most talented quarterback in the country. Well, he's not going to win the Heisman Trophy. Well, he can't because he's not a finalist. Yeah. Because his team sucked. Yeah. Seven and five. Right. USC, seven and five. Right. Consider the way they started the season. Anyway, that that's a that's an argument, or that's a debate, not even a debate, a discussion for another day. Yes, I do, because I do think that even though Pat Shermer uh, is more than willing to try to fit square pegs into round holes, and he's grumpy old pro guy, I do think that he will at least try to shape an offense around the skill set of arguably the best player in the country. I mean, you'd have to be so curmudgeonly beyond reasonable limits to try to take some of the shine off of this guy just so that you can put him into the type of form or offense that you want to run. You got to do what he does. Mm, well, Period. Sean Lewis came in with a history of running the ball, mm-hmm. and they didn't run the ball. Now you can make the case. Their offensive line wasn't very good. No. And, and that's a very fair argument. However, Dion wants his son to win the Heisman Trophy. Sure he does. Shadur wants to win the Heisman mm-hmm. Trophy. And to win the Heisman Trophy, you need two things. Huge numbers, and you need your team to win. LSU lost three games this year. Yeah. But three losses aren't a ton of losses. No. But their quarterback had 40 touchdowns and four interceptions. And he's going to win the Heisman, I think. He might. Right. With that, I have a feeling through people who I have talked to, they pass the ball a lot more because they really wanted Shador Sanders to win the Heisman this year. Running, eh, we can blame it on the offensive line. The offensive line wasn't very good. But I think there was some pressure on Sean Lewis to pass, pass, pass. If he had a history of just throwing the ball as an offensive coordinator and a head coach at Kent State, then I think it's hard to square that circle. That was not his history. Yeah, It was a well-balanced offense at Kent State. And suddenly, he's pass-happy. Why? He's pass-happy. Because you have... Well, he's probably under direct... Without being directed directly, there was probably... The uh, the understanding is we're going to be a pass. We're throwing the ball. That's it. We're throwing the football. Right. Yeah. Now, you can make the case, unless Shadur and Dion learn something from this season... Well, if they don't, they're damned to repeat it. Well, then, if they want to balance it, I think that's a great idea, and that sets you up better for winning. Sure. 
But I'll be honest with you. Fine, and I'll just say this. Maybe I'm the first one saying it, but I'll just say it. Deion Sanders cares more about his family than he does CU football. He cares more about his boys. He cares more about his boys making NIL money. When I say his boys, I'm saying his two sons and Travis Hunter. Those are his priorities. First, second, third CU football is fourth. Hmm. That is his priority. And I think his priority is for his son to go as high in the draft as possible to win the Heisman Trophy. I don't think Deion Sanders thinks team first. He thinks team Sanders first, then team Buffs second. Yeah. I don't know what's, uh, I'm not sure what his, what his overarching motivations are. I do think that winning as a coach is pretty important to him because it reflects on him. Mm-hmm. It reflects right now. What's the narrative on Colorado football right now? I'll ask you, what's the narrative on Colorado football? Um, intriguing story, but they can't win football games at this point. It, 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 yeah, it was a great story in at the end of August and into September, early part of October. Then it that now we're at the point of, okay, can you win football games? And that is something that reflects on him directly. Is he a good coach? Is he a good game manager? Does he understand the use of personnel? Can he build a roster? All of those things, I think, have plenty of boxes unchecked. Can he recruit? Well, we know he can recruit uh, skill players. We don't know if he can recruit offensive and defensive trench guys. But So there's a lot of questions about Deion Sanders and his ability at this level, I think. I think there are. I think it's important to him. I, I think that I know I, I don't disagree with you. I didn't say it's not important. Yeah, I think I said as far as priorities go. Yeah, I don't I can't do that. I can't do that. I, I it's his son. Yeah, Shadur he, will take care of himself though, don't you think? I mean, he, his talent level kind of will take care of that. I don't think he really even needs the gust of wind from his dad on that one. The dude is talented. And he's clearly the most talented player, not only on that team. He's the he's one of the most talented players in all the country. I, I, Dion's got to win football games. I, I mean, I just four and eight just doesn't resonate with him, uh, and I don't think it resonates with CU fans. To be really honest, I think the attitude right now is, you know what, that's a lot better than we thought than than we were the year before. I don't think it's as easy of an answer if you asked him this question. Would you rather go six and six and your son win the Heisman or go nine and three, your son doesn't win the Heisman and he's not the number one pick in the draft? He's going to pick his son and he's trying to set up his son for success. And I don't blame him. Well, yeah, he's a father. For, I mean, you know. And, and that, but that's the problem with a father coaching a son. Sometimes. Yeah, it is. Although I think that Shador Sanders could be all of the things that he needs and wants to be realized for are there for him on the table. And I think that if you improve the quality of the football team, it will improve the quality of the quarterback. And he may not throw for 4,500 yards or whatever the number is, but if he's winning football games, if he's a nine and three quarterback and, 
and has, you know, 38 touchdowns and seven interceptions, he's going to be right in the mix. The two actually go hand in hand. You have to put up big numbers Mm -hmm. and your team has to win. Yes. Very rarely does a three-loss quarterback get to go to New York. Paul Horning is, I think, the only, I I believe, and I, I know that he won the Heisman on a football team at Notre Dame that was under 500. But the but there aren't many there aren't many more after that. Well, I'm going to look up a guy right now. Heisman finalist 1983. Heisman voting. 1983, Mike Rogier, Steve Young, Doug Flutie, Turner Gill. You know who's not on there? John Elway. Right. Why? His team never finished with a winning record. Yeah. Coming up after the break. A couple of uh, longtime friends of mine, Josh Moore, Dennis Williams, they started a podcast. It debuted this morning. It's called The Back Nine, and it's about being in your 40s and your 50s on the back nine of life. Uh, I was thrilled to be asked to be their first guest. That's cool. Um, I don't know why they wanted to basically start their show, metaphorically speaking, Um trying to do a drag race with their foot on the gas by bringing me on or on the break, I should say, but they (laughs) did with that. Dennis and Josh are going to join us next to talk about their new podcast, the back nine. That's next. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us at You can reach us, Roller Auction's Twitter feed, at Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman. Tomorrow, 16th Street Fitness in Greeley is auctioning off cardio equipment, cable machines, plate-loaded machines, weight plates, tanning beds. Get involved, get notifications about upcoming auctions at rollerauction.com backslash MHS. The auction is open right now online. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda or find them at sthmazda.com. Bruce, I think it is fair to say you and I do not produce a show that is remotely self-indulgent, but please indulge me now. Of course. Okay. Uh, A couple of good friends of mine, Dennis Williams and Josh Mora, just started a podcast called The Back Nine with Dennis and Josh. Little history about the three of us. We all worked in Buffalo, New York together. I was an anchor reporter at the ABC affiliate. Josh did the same thing at the NBC affiliate. And Dennis did the same thing at the CBS affiliate. Wow. I'm the only idiot that decided to stay in the media. They have left the media and become wildly successful. And they've made a ton of money doing other things. Although if they're doing a podcast, I'm really wondering how financially secure they are right now trying to bring on a couple of sponsors and, you know, nickel and dime their way to retirement. With that, again, they are the hosts of The Back Nine with Dennis and Josh debuts today. I was their first guest. Why they decided to make me their first guest. Clearly, they had no other options. 
You can find their podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. And here is a sample of their first show this morning, which talks about dating on the back nine, meaning in your 40s or 50s. I think I had the best idea for a dating app. I still actually think it would work. Like we talked about farmersonly.com. Yeah. I had creditscoreonly.com. Oh, that's good. That, that So you get to know each other's credit scores, so they can't really lie about their financial situation right. at that point. And you're going to match somebody better who has like, if you know, we have a high credit score, you're going to want somebody else. You think, like, yeah. Yeah, you're not going to, or here's the other thing. If you do want to be the sugar daddy or the sugar mama, maybe you look for somebody with a lower credit score. You just decide like that's, yeah. that's your thing, right? So creditscoreonly.com. With that, uh, I want to introduce uh, Dennis Williams and Josh Moore. Guys, I listened to the show this morning, and I must tell you, I thought it was terrific, not because I was on it, but here's a, a, a subtle constructive criticism for you. I don't know who does your booking, and I don't know who's going to do it moving forward, but you need to do a better job than who your first guest was today. I, I totally disagree, Eric. You are the perfect choice. Mm-hmm. Um, we brought back a lot of old friends. The best part about the first season, um, and we have all nine episodes ready to go. We're going to launch them each Tuesday uh, every week for the next nine weeks. So uh, the best part of it was um, not that we need to get reacquainted with you. We were both in your wedding. So right. we, we've been you know friends for a long time. But it really was a who's who of, of our old broadcast friends and just friends from, from Buffalo and, and all over uh, where we've been. So, and some great stories and and your story is terrific. Your story about rebounding on the back nine and finding your new wife and, and, and your advice for dating, you're selling yourself short. It is funny and great. And I, I can't believe you didn't put yourself in there. No. Um, as the tease for the show, because you were really good. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, if you look at my marriage to Mandy, uh, I scored a birdie and she double bogeyed <laughs> with me josh what was the inspiration behind putting together this podcast you know eric we and bruce we were we talked a lot during the pandemic you know dennis and i were both going through some stuff at the time and it was kind of a way to uh, reconnect with each other and help each other through things through that camaraderie of, of sharing experiences and then we kind of put it on the on the back burner for a while and then this summer uh, we had a getaway weekend, uh, the two of us, just a guy's weekend in Chicago. And my sister, who is much, much younger than we are, um, joined us. And she had been struggling with, with the dating apps. And she's like, guys, you have to help me with some advice on how can I meet, you know, she's in her early 30s, like how can I meet guys who are kind of, you know, have been through a couple of things and know themselves pretty well in their 40s and 50s. And we're like, well, this is something that we explored when we were looking at the podcast a couple of years ago. Let's bring it back. And then we had a couple of, of tests. We had you come on and we were like, this is something that we need to do. And it felt very, for me, it felt very aligned with kind of where I am in my life right now, having been through some things, been through some trials to be able to talk about these issues, both in a soulful and meaningful way at times and in other times uh, in a more lighthearted way, because there's lots of ways to help solve those problems uh, and get through things and help people get unstuck as they move into the back nine and the second half of their lives. All right. Sorry to be the outsider that has to throw high elbows to, to, to get my way into this triumvirate. Uh, I, I'm curious what you guys, because obviously you're thinking men. I'll give you credit for that. So you've thought this through. And I would imagine that along the way, there will be recognition and things that you learn about yourself, especially as it relates 
to this time in your collective lives. So is there an age for enlightenment? Is there an age or a time when the light comes on and we all start to get it? Or is it just a continuing evolution that sometimes means that we're still trying to figure out things in the darkness? Yeah, Bruce, I don't think you ever really figure it out. I think the key is, and, and somebody says this during one of our episodes in the season, is that to, to be curious. The best thing you can be on the back nine, really in your whole life, actually Eric says it in this show, be curious about the people that you're talking to. Be curious about everything that's in front of you on the back nine. I mean, I think that's really the best thing. You're, you're, we're all a work in progress, and we're all at different stages. We're all in different holes in the back nine. So, yeah, to answer your question, there, there's never one moment. And I think one of the things that, and Eric, you just said this, you, you don't want your show to be like self-indulgent. We don't want this to be that either. This is really about who we're talking to and what kind of nuggets and advice and uh, things you can pull out of their life experiences, not necessarily ours. We will weave in our story here and there, and some of it's interesting and some of it's probably not that interesting. Uh, but 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 the people we bring on are really, really interesting. And, and that's what I loved about the first season. And we're like literally getting a Rolodex together of, of names for, for season two already. So uh, that, that's probably the best part. Yeah, just to build on that, too, I think it's, it's not only what we've learned to this point, all of us who are hosting the show and who our guests are, but for us as hosts, for me as a host, it was continuing to learn from the experiences of friends, contacts, former colleagues who join us in the first season, from you, Eric, from the others who follow, uh, just to see how they've uh, managed and maneuvered through their own trials and travails, how they've done it with humor, how they've done it with intention, and how they've found their ways to success uh, in the second half of their lives. We're talking with Dennis Williams and Josh Moore. They are the hosts of the new podcast, The Back Nine, with Dennis and Josh. Debuts today. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else. You get your favorite podcast. You have eight more episodes to go in your first season. What other topics do you guys cover for the rest of the first season? Well, there's there's a lot of different. I mean, some of it is about people who have found their way in career changes, whether that's because they've chosen initially to make a career change or because they suddenly find themselves dissatisfied with their careers or Maybe they found that their employers were dissatisfied with them and how they have, you know, that can be a, a really momentous uh, uh, occasion for somebody. If you've invested in a career and in a company or an employer and suddenly you find yourselves on the outside of that looking in, it can be really disruptive. Uh, people who have found, uh, who have gotten married much later in life and had their families later. So while their friends are having kids go off to college, they've got three and four-year-olds at home. Um, so it's been really interesting to hear people's different perspectives uh, on that as well. And we've also had we also have uh, a few women uh, and some that you're going to be familiar with. Eric uh, Jody Jackson's going to yep. be on with uh, Carol Negrelli. Uh, both have Buffalo connections uh, and very very different stories. You know, Jody stayed in the business and is is a working mom and, and never got out of the business. She's a a very prominent sports personality in Phoenix. And Carol retired in 2002 and, and took, she said she became a kid again. She does all the things that she wanted to do uh, in the early years of her life. And it's just, it's a, we, we recorded that one recently and it's just such a compelling, really cool story. So again, it, it's all about the guests and, and, and their, their journey. And they're all different. Um, we have one guy who had, had his life made. He was doing extremely well as a commodities trader and he was at the country concert in Las Vegas when 
uh, the guy opened fire and chaos broke loose. And that was an incredibly powerful, transformative moment for him. Uh, his story will come up before the end of the year. Guys, how do people find you again for your first season of the Back Nine with Dennis and Josh? Yeah, it's the Back Nine. It's on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. We ask you to subscribe, uh, not just download, subscribe and, and leave a review if you can. Uh, Five star review. That's how you, that's how you get noticed in the podcast world, obviously. And um, I think people will enjoy it. I think there's a, a lot for everybody to, to pull from. Um, and Eric, we so appreciate that first episode. And please don't sell yourself short. People, people in Denver and your area should listen because because Eric's got some good insights on on dating, and it's fu- he's funny as you know. He's not and, as funny as he thinks. He is, well, he's funny. Sure. And, it's sure. worth listening to. And, and it's, it's the back nine, the number nine. So back nine uh, with the number, the digit, as opposed to the word. By, by the way, I did give you guys a Google review. Uh, maybe I was a little mixed up because it was early in the morning. And I was a little tired. I think you guys are number one. That's why I gave you one star. <laughs> you know, that's totally appropriate. Thanks, dude. We appreciate that. You're welcome. Thanks guys, for having us on. Guys, have a great day. See you, man. See you. Appreciate it. What do we have coming up on, just in case you missed it? This longtime manager was selected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. And would Florida State have been in the college football playoff if Deion Sanders was the head coach? That's next on Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle on Mile High Sports. Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman and Hurdle. Watch us, mileisports.com. Reach us, Roller Auctions Twitter feed, at Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman. Tomorrow, 16th Street Fitness in Greeley. Auctioning off cardio equipment, cable machines, weight plates, tanning beds, and more. Get involved, get notifications about upcoming auctions at rollerauction.com backslash MHS. The auction is open right now at rollerauction.com. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfield's has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town. Two-for-one wine, well, and drafts from 3 until 7 p.m. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Alrighty, guys, just in case you missed it, yesterday on First Take, one of the panelists made the argument that Florida State would have been selected for the college football playoff if Deion Sanders was the head coach in Tallahassee. Uh, would you agree with that argument? Mm, I mean, Deion Sanders might have been 4-8 and eight in Tallahassee. I don't know. I mean, I, I, he's I making know. the assumption that the, Florida the, the, State's that he, undefeated. That he's un, that they're unbeaten. Yeah, yeah, I think then then probably it would be pretty hard to keep him out. I I think it should be hard to keep Florida State out anyway. We had this discussion yesterday. That probably would have made it harder. For all I know, would it have done the trick? Eh, I don't know because if 
the directive really is to find what the what the committee thinks is the four best football teams. Florida State probably isn't one of the four best football teams. I can see the argument because Deion Sanders generates eyeballs. I'm certainly with you on that. But at the end of the day, that's all pregame. And to be honest with you, uh, you don't really need to do a lot of publicity for the two national semifinal <laughs> Not games. Not for the CFP. Yeah, no, you're right. No. no. So, yeah, he helps before the game. But when the game starts and you're playing your second, maybe your third string quarterback, yeah, it's different. Yeah. And, and honestly, I don't think the guys there who are on the committee are looking at ratings. I don't, I don't think that's their focus. Their focus is on who are the best teams yeah, and who are the best teams. Well, that is based on most of the reading that I did yesterday after the fact. That was kind of the directive. Find the four best teams. Right. And it's unfortunate that Florida it State is. ran the table. It is. Listen, Florida State is one of the four best teams in the country with their starting quarterback. No reasonable person is going to argue that. And you can certainly make the case about losing your quarterback that they still did what they needed to do. Mm -hmm. And I get that, even though they didn't have him over their final couple of games. But Louisville is not Georgia. Louisville is not Alabama or Michigan. No. It's a very, when you look at the top four or five, take the top four, throw in Florida State with their quarterback, throw in Ohio State. And those top six, there's a huge gap between six and seven. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would have loved to have seen what this would have looked like with the starting quarterback, 13-0. and 0, Would you have had the stones to keep Alabama out of the CFP? I, I mean, based that, that doesn't mean Alabama. That means the SEC. Would you have had the stones in that situation with Alabama upsetting Georgia to keep the SEC out of the CFP. If Florida State has their quarterback, they are at minimum the third seed. You would think, right? But the truth is you can make the case they might have been the second seed or the first seed. Sure. Because you can make that argument. Yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah. Interesting. All right, just in case you missed it, longtime manager Jim Leland, who guided the Florida Marlins to the 1997 World Series title, also managed the Rockies in 1999, was selected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Leland will become the 23rd person to be inducted into the Hall as a manager in the first since 2014, uh, when Joe Torre, Tony, Tony La Russa, and Bobby Cox were enshrined. Also, former manager Lou Pinella fell just short as he was named on 11 ballots. You need 12 for enshrinement. Mm. Any comments on Jim Leland going into Cooperstown? Very deserving. He won three pennants, won a World Series, uh, and and survived a year here in Denver, going 72 and 90 in his one season. That was pre-Humidor, too, wasn't it? 99? Yes. It was. Yes, pre-Humidor. So, anyway, um, but a great baseball guy. I don't think there's any argument that Jim Leland's a Hall of Famer, right? right? Yeah. I would I certainly wouldn't argue that. Yeah. Uh, how did you uh, categorize his time here? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't a disaster know. It, is a good way to. It, it was a it was a pearl of wisdom that was used and then gone. My only question is, as a guy personally who smokes, will the bust of Jim Leland or the <laughs> plaque of Jim Leland have a cigarette in his mouth? <laughs> you know, I. I, I'll be honest with you. I was stunned to find out that Jim Leland's only like 78 or 79 years old. 
I thought he was like 121. I mean, Jim Leland's been around for I, forever, right? Right. Forever. Here's something that many people may not know. Do you know who he basically got his career start with? No. Tony LaRusso. Oh, is that right? It was the two of them in Chicago. Yeah. It was the two of them. Two brilliant yeah, no baseball question. minds right. in Chicago with the White Sox. Well, Jim Leland was smart enough to say, we have no pitching in Denver. I'm out of here. Right. So that's a pretty good baseball guy. Right. Understanding that. That was Mountain High Appliance. Just in case you missed it, try before you buy. You can walk in any store, try out the appliances before you buy them. But it is more than just that. You want to redesign your entire kitchen, they have the staff to help you with that. Go to a big box or they're only going to sell you an appliance. And those people, they're working jobs. Mountain High Appliance, this is their career. Those are the type of people you want to work with. They have the best appliances out there. And they have extra low pricing at their clearance center in Denver. Mountain High Appliance, you can find them. Louisville, Littleton, again, clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, Sean Payton, is it too strong to say yesterday was about throwing his guys under the bus? That's next. 